0: Hello and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. I am Christopher Ryan, I'm an award-winning hybrid author, teacher, multi-platform creative, and former award-winning journalist. Also on the mic is Kids Comic Con and the Color of Comics Exposition founder, Alex Simmons, an award winner since 1996, including an Inkpot Award from the San Diego Comic Con and three Glyph Awards from the East Coast Black Age of Comics Con. He has written Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Batman, Superman, and Scooby-Doo, among so many more beloved characters. And is the creator of the legendary African-American soldier of fortune, Aaron Blackjack Day, whose 1930s adventures comment on today's social problems.
1: Hey, hey, hey! Oh, good to see you today, Chris! Yes. Hello Alex Simmons, how are you brother? I, I am fine, I am fine, I am fine, I am fine, I am fine. Yes, and what, you know, it is, it is the month of December. We are, we, we just have a, a, a sack full of potentials. We have holidays to celebrate, we mm-hmm. have families to gather, family and friends to gather with. Yeah. So a lot of that is gonna involve communication. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And guess what we're gonna be talking about today? Uh. Communication. Yes. Dialogue. Yes. Dialogue. 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 All right. Dialogue. Right. Um, a number of students uh, that I have, and I know Chris has encountered this as well. Uh, one of the challenges in writing, especially for emerging writers, is dialogue. Is is how do you make it sound legit, authentic, real? Mm-hmm. You know, engaging. All of those things. So that's one of the things we want to sort of focus on for this particular episode. And we've got a couple of different ways to approach this. So. Sit back, folks. Oh, but break out something to take notes with because you're going yeah. to want to. Okay. So, first, Chris, I want to start with uh, just to set this up uh, common challenges that students tend to run into, my students well, and, and, and emerging yeah. writers as well, tend to run into.
0: Well, one uh, of the things that uh, I notice a lot of my students, uh, and again, I'm now running free, but um, <laughs> a lot of my students over the years, uh, I I noticed I had to unteach the awful lesson that some, some teacher somewhere taught, which is said is dead. Ah. And, uh, very quickly, the way that, um, I would unteach that, you know, the lesson would be some teacher would say, don't use said, use these other 40 words instead. It improves your writing. So I would have us do a one minute or two minute writing, um, uh, exercise where it's a conversation and they use all those different words. And as I read it out loud and it's, it sounds like two people in an insane asylum. He chortles, she go forward and and the point is that when you're doing dialogue you want those kind of identifiers to be like a bass line, you know, in a song. The bass should be felt not heard. It's not a lead Mm -hmm. instrument. So you want to use the thing that Our eyes will register, but it won't distract. Said is perfect for that. Um, And then if you have just two characters in your rewrite, if you have the voices and they're very, you know, they're different enough, you can take out most of the identifiers, maybe one at the beginning, somewhere Mm -hmm. in the middle, maybe towards the end. And then you have a, a, a better flow to your dialogue the idea is to make it feel like you're hearing that
1: dialogue absolutely it affects pacing it affects the energy of the moment and and you're you're so right sometimes some of those other words really become it's it's like a brass band you know in the middle of 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 a a quiet concert it's like they're just jumping out at you um Taking that into consideration, I also want to identify some of the types of conversations that people are challenged by. And usually, you know, conflict uh, or sharing of emotions, you know, I love you or whatever, a couple's having some sort of a a problem expressing their feelings for each Mm -hmm. other. Um, And and again, as you also, I think you said, no, you didn't say this time, but you said in pre-production, so aside from those first two, there's also dialect. Yeah, So I'm just curious. Well, let's
0: go to the first thing, which is, you know, when you're writing a scene, you want to ask yourself, what's the scene about? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a step further. What's the scene about on the surface? What's the scene really about? Right. Because we might be saying, good morning, how are you? And it might really mean, oh, my God, don't tell everybody what we did last night. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Right? The subtext is as important, if not more important, than the surface text. And that... Mostly you do that, uh, you perfect that in re
1: I also like to say to my, my students that they should think about what would this sound like in real life. You know, sometimes it's easy uh, for, for us to, to say, okay, this is the circumstance our fictional characters are in. Right. How would this go in real life? How would two people in a similar circumstance really talk about this? Right. It doesn't mean that that's what you're going to absolutely now use, but it's a good springboard. You can use it it as a placeholder or whatever. Yeah.
0: You know, and then, and then you, you do the usual edits, you know? Mm -hmm. You may, you may in your first draft say hello and hello, but you know that's getting edited out. You want to start the conversation or any scene, start as late as you can and, and get out of it as quickly as you can, right? So you're just getting the meat and potatoes. So in your draft, have them say everything. Yeah. And then when you rewrite,
1: alright, what can I live without? And one of the you know? things that you just said again is rewrites. Mm-hmm. None of the things we're gonna to say today are gonna to cancel out that. It's not no. like suddenly, oh, you're gonna have perfect dialogue, boom, if you just no. follow these. No. You're going to, you're gonna still go through rewrites because that's where the fine art is really, uh, applied. Uh, you also
0: mentioned, uh, accents
1: before? Yeah, yeah.
0: Accents, dialect, yeah. So, uh, you want to talk about that for a minute? Because oh, Sure, uh, certainly, because I know um,
1: you've got some samples. I know you've got uh, examples.
0: I do. Um, well, the for, first thing I would do is, you know, to learn how to do any of this kind of writing, any kind of writing, you've got to read, you know, and read, 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 read. So I'll give you a few examples or a few recommendations. Um, one of the masters of dialect is right behind me, Walter Mosley. Uh, he has a ton of books. And, um, if you read the Easy Rollins mysteries, for example, if you read them from beginning, which is going fishing, so devil in the red or the blue, red dress. Or blue, blue dress. Blue dress. Sorry. I yeah. got the wrong dress. Well, it That's is. That's okay. But it's a devil either uh, and way. And on you go. The accent is subtly thicker in the earlier books. And as they get older and have lived more and more years in California, there's, they drop some of the other things and it becomes, You know, except for one or two who there's always one or two in your family or in your neighborhood that Mm -hmm. you know where they are. If you say hello to them down the block, you know, it just comes out. Right. Yeah. But um, one of the things that this master does is he can invoke the dialect of the region the person is in with a single word.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: my favorite example from Walter Mosley is his spelling of the word can't. Now we spell it C A N apostrophe T, can't. And that's almost it's, it's. it could be any region in in a. For example, in the United States, mm-hmm. but C A I N T, can't. Now you have a southern region. One word, one letter has established the accent. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Our temptation when we start writing dialogue is every line of dialogue, at least one word, sometimes as many as five words. If you feel you need to do that, it's good to get it all out of your system. But when you read it out loud, and that's a huge thing, read it out loud as if you're getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to read it well, you'll hear there's too much and then you cut it back and cut it back.
1: Um, i will give a quick example of my sherlock holmes play um you know there was it it all takes place in you know victorian england and uh it also involves some americans who've come over some black americans who've come over as well as um, characters within the social different social stratas of the british uh lifestyle so when I wrote the play initially, I just wrote it. I wrote what the characters were supposed to be saying without really focusing on accents and things like that. But in the rewrites, I not only had to expose myself to the dialects and the accents and things in order to sort of immerse myself in so that I would hear the pronunciations and changes and things, as well as the rhythms, but then go back, apply that to what I had written, exchange words, you know, shift spellings, like you, you pointed out, mm-hmm. and then after all of that, realize where, okay, this is too much. Right. <laughs> and and go bring back it down, there bring and it back. bring it down. Right, <laughs> And but that's... don't want it to get in the way of the audience being able to enjoy the story.
0: Right. And it's not punishment. Rewriting is not punishment. It's part of the process. It's a very rewarding part of the process.
1: Yeah, if you're I lucky, you to oil excited about it. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In, in yeah. the first go-to with the oil painting. It's all over the place. But by the end, I would just drop the brushes, and I would be doing it with a finger, and this, mm-hmm. and just tiny, you know, and little, and it's those little things. That's,
1: that's rewriting. Yeah.
0: You know? Okay. And so let's talk, um, let's
1: talk about characters, because um, yes. you know, um, you've worked on uh, some familiar characters, some iconic characters, as I have, but also new characters in some of your creations. Yeah. So with new characters, how do you determine... How to uh establish their voice right. in a state. um
0: what what works for me is going shopping with my wife <laughs> right um, can we all be, do that?
1: <laughs> yes, you can all
0: you know because she's so good at it. Um, what I mean by that is do something other than write, right but um this is usually after I've written a bunch of index cards with just ideas, you know of who this character is and, and you know, I have all the questions, character questions, character bio questions, you know, where does she grow up, up? Um, how was she in school? Uh, Where is she in this point in life? Um, What, how long has he been married? How does he feel about the marriage? You know, why does he do the job he does? You know, and these are just walking around or doing the dishes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I did all the dishes at Thanksgiving dinner and they were like, why? you Know and uh, I mean, I'm not going to explain it to him, but you know, I got that was working on the story,
1: yeah. Right, you, <laughs> scr- you, you know, you go into that zone, you get yeah, that yeah, zone, yeah. And, yeah.
0: so um, or you know, if you're a health nut, you're exercising, you know, um, just seeing this, but with the shopping, I, I get to, yeah, I'm physically shopping with the wife, but I'm really shopping with Mallory or Gunner or whoever, you know, Reckless Eric or whoever I'm writing about, you know, and what store would they go, go into? What would it be like, you know, would they be bored walking around or what would they do? How would they interact with this person or that person? You know, uh, what do they look like? They look like that guy, they looking, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also, I listen, you know, and you can hear people's dialogue and dialect and inflections, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'll hear someone, you know, you know, somebody's mad and they're flipping their head. I was like, how do you write that, mm-hmm. you know, right? How do you write, um, you know, there's the dramatic big argument, but then there's that subtle walking down the, you know, the mall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like this. And it, it just, yes. you know, observe, learn, read, listen, you know, that's how I develop them. And then, then play, you know, write. You know, the uh, I, I know people are sick of me saying let it suck, but just, you know, just light, write freely and see how the scene is. And one of the best things about writing a scene that sucks is that then you can ask yourself, well, why? Why does it suck? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it not do? You know? Uh, well, that person wouldn't say that. Then you know you have the character. If you get mad at yourself <laughs> yeah. and say, that yeah. character
1: wouldn't talk like that, yeah, good, good. That's the thing, and, and I have to say that, um, and I don't crack a whip kind of thing, but I do, I do uh, stress. That writers push themselves beyond the point of comfort or eagerness to get past certain moments and stay with something long enough or work something long enough to reach that point of, yeah, my character wouldn't say that. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise, again, you write, you you write, you know, not that I got anything against this, but you write plain vanilla. You know, Mm -hmm. your dialogue is plain vanilla all the way through. And you yeah, said that about mine? What the hell? No. That's, no. That's, that's, you know, but that's what you're doing. You know, and if it's the, the whole, it's, in some cases, it's, it's di- dietetic. You know, mm. so it's it's the thing is it is yeah. You've written that baseline of dialogue with the character saying what the character needed to say right. to maybe advance the plot or whatever. Right. But now you've got to go back and and as you're saying, spend time doing whatever, right. writing or washing or walking or jogging or whatever. Spend time with that character so that you have conversations here. Yeah. yeah, begin to hear that character. And there's a student of mine who is doing exactly that. He is literally sitting down and having conversations with the individual characters in his story mm-hmm. and writing them out. That's cool. So that so that he again begins to see them as as people and begins to hear. And this is again literally, folks, you begin to hear that character's spoken um, habits, you know, tics and things, you begin to hear it in, their, in your head. You begin to hear how they would phrase something. You begin to hear what words they would use. You begin yeah. to hear what they wouldn't say. Right. And right. those things help you change that baseline dialogue into right. an exchange between two individuals.
0: Yeah. And and you know again we have to repeat that reading great writers Mm -hmm. and reading a lot and reading a wide variety of stuff we have a wide variety right behind me we have True Grit by uh what's his name Name Charlie Porter Uh, female protagonist young uh, protagonist great voice absolutely amazing voice um uh, Elmore Leonard, Richard Price, Walter Mosley and I, I have a short piece from Tory, uh, Tony Morrison's Beloved. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we're going to read this. This is dialogue between two people. You can, hear the, you can hear the characters. You know, it's like being in the mall and these two walk by. Something funny about that gal, Paul D. said mostly to himself. Funny how? Act sick, sound sick. But she don't look sick. Good skin, bright eyes, and strong as a bull. She's not strong. She can hardly walk without holding on to something. That's what I mean. Can't walk, but i seen her pick up the rocker with one hand. You didn't. Don't tell me. Ask Denver. She was right there with her. (laughs) can't. I can't help but... uh, kind of go into a little bit of a, um, uh, a dialect. I'm not sure why it's a little more Southern. I'd have to read more and see if that's where they are. But you just, you hear the personalities and I start leaning into characterizations, you know, character actor and all that stuff. But, you know, um, you want another?
1: Well, actually, I was going to just uh, t- Talk tie about that. Yeah, I was just going to just tie, you know, we... As writers and, and actors and, and other people uh, uh, in the creative uh, world we need to accept that part of who we are and where we come from and what we've experienced impacts on our art. Mm-hmm. And, and Toni Morrison's life, her very rich and exciting and, and tumultuous life, is reflected in in a lot of her work. The kind of people that she met, the kind of people that she had to deal with, the kind of traumas and things that she had to deal with are reflected in her life, like Octavia Butler and some of the others. Mm -hmm. So again, don't forget who you are as a writer, as you are creating these characters, looking for these characters, and these inspirations. They don't always have to be you, absolutely not, but some part of you will impact on that writing. So I just just wanted to point that out.
0: That's the... That's the voice coming out, yeah. you know, and if you, it takes you a long time to get there, but <laughs> trust that you'll get there.
1: So let me, let me just uh, jump further into uh, another type of character, since we're talking about that so well, and let's talk about writing uh, established or known or iconic characters. Uh, what do you have to say about that, and then I'll share some of, of my experience.
0: Well... Oof. man, I I had a right I
1: had a right
0: Aaron Blackjack Day and um you know, it's it's a great it's a great story about learning because it took a long time to get to not to learn to not overdo it and to learn um his his voice famously uh this guy over here Alex uh, gifted me with an assignment to write a 10-part comic strip for a badass mofo magazine. And uh, I wrote kind of a, it felt like a Western, but it was in the Middle East. Um, a simple story of uh, going to protect the village, save the kids, you know. And um, wrote it, and I had, a, I had a mastery. Yes, I did. I had a mastery of the voice of every one of the characters. And I wrote it and I handed it in and he said, yeah, that's great. And yeah, he, he did what he had to do and voted to the illustrator. And when I saw it in Badass Mofo Magazine, it was exactly the story I wrote. And every single line of dialogue had been changed to some degree. You know, sometimes it was one word. Sometimes it was the entire sentence. And, um, you know, first I was like, what the hell? And then I was like, wait, learn. And, um... I compared my original to what he did and you could really see um you know Alex Simmons knows those characters like he knows you know his own life and one character wouldn't say what I had him say he would say it in a different way he would you know use three words when I used 12 or um or he would have a different cadence you know and of of all of them, Blackjack was the one that was the most changed because Blackjack doesn't command; he uses strong statements, and um, the rest is uh, the tone and, and and the force of it is in his facial expression, in his demeanor. Um, so when I had him given commands and and, and he also doesn't do exposition. Blackjack doesn't. That's not in his contract. So, you know, you learn those things. Um, nowadays, when I write uh, Blackjack, uh, it, the tone is closer and better and all that stuff. But there are a lot of things that I stay away from. You know, um, mine, uh, my Blackjack stories tend to be closer to die hard than to 12 years a slave. You know, there's not... Um, it's not big ruminations. That's Alex's style. He can get away with that. It's a that's a tougher way to write. To be able to um, to extend the thought. I, uh, if you find yourself writing long dialogue, you should let it set bells off for you right now. You know, until you're uh, an experienced writer and know when that goes. You know, that's like. You know, you can't have steak every night of the week, right? So there's all the vegetarians are like, what? Okay, asparagus. You can't have asparagus every night of the week, right? You get sick of it. But if there's that one time, that one spot where it is presented perfectly, then you can feast upon it. And, and Alex is a master of that. So there you go.
1: Well, thank thank you for the the mastery crown. I, That'll I be twenty two books. Yeah, it's twenty three ninety five <laughs> markdown. Right. Um, I would say that again. Thank you for that. And and even even for me establishing the voice of Blackjack and Red and Bo and and mariam and and the sister Mary, um, which is two different characters, Maryam and Mary. They uh, sound very different. Yeah. You know these things really do for me to a certain degree I can't write I can't feel that the dialogue and the things that I write for them work until I hear them in my head. Yes. So again, I can write placement placeholder dialogue, you know, or things that move the plot along, but always with the understanding that this is just placeholder. That's that's, Mm that she's I've got to talk to her and I gotta hear that. I gotta hear her saying that. And and I do eventually hear them saying that. And then I also have yeah. to understand not only the word choices they would make, but what is their emotional frame of mind at the time. Right. Because as you know, what we feel as people affects what we say or how we say things. Mm-hmm. So it's really about going into those moments, into those scenes, really trying to live in that moment and that, and that experience, in order to create dialogue that will sound, please, genuine, authentic, engaging, compelling, so forth and so on. Right, right. Um, quickly, just just to uh, a quick example from my end, and I'll take um, I'll take Batman. I mean, I've written Archie, Scooby Doo, and some other things, but I'll take mm-hmm. Batman. Batman has been written stories, been written about him since 1939. Mm-hmm. So for me to be writing him in the 1990s, you know, it's like whoa. I mean, what can I possibly say? And what's his voice? What is the voice of Batman? You know, and when you think about how many different writers have written him, again, what does he sound like? So for me it was I couldn't go and I've read, you know, Batman for decades, I couldn't go by the voice of the Batman from the nineteen fifties or sixties or seventies or eighties. I had to look at where this character is living now within the series, or at the time, where where he was how he was being treated as a character, what was the life that he was having at that moment, and then immersing myself in that world, you know, yes, I've got other references, but immersing myself in that world, how would he function? How would this person deal with the story I'm about to present to him? And so again, you know, there's more than just the cerebral experience of pick words, put them in a certain order. There is an emotional context There is a certain amount of research involved and all of these things are to help you create this world into, to to a level of reality for you so that you hear your characters and thus can create dialogue that will sound genuine and authentic to you and your readers.
0: And your, the point of view is, you know, having decided the point of view is very important. You know, uh, there are Batman stories where there are, um, thought boxes or dialogue boxes look almost like entries of a diary or a journal, right? But it allows us inside Batman's head. There are other stories where they, they step back out of that. And it's, you know, it's told from a different point of view, you know, um, the way commissioner Gordon sees Batman is very different than the way Dick Grayson does or any of the other 40, Two Robins. They all see him well. You know, God bless him. There's been a lot of them, and they all see you know Bruce Wayne, Batman, differently.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, uh, Dick Grayson sees him differently than um,
1: Tim Drake uh, or or Tim Drake.
0: Yeah, Jason Todd. Very, very different than the rest of them, right? And knowing those, knowing those things, and knowing what the their personal experience with him and uh, without him, or outside of him. Um, that brings you uh, a different perspective. You could tell the same story from each of those characters' point of view and it would be a different story. You know, and
1: that's a good exercise. Yeah, so we got five minutes Um, left. We got five minutes left. So the question I put to you now is, in sharing some jewel, some pearl of knowledge right. that you want to cap off this experience with. I mean we're going to do something else for you folks, but for now, to cap this off, what would you say? What example or whatever would you offer?
0: Well, uh,
1: do you think I can give them the Hawkeye example? Yeah, that sure, appropriate? sure. That's, All right, that's
0: so relevant, too, in turn. I'm going to give some light homework uh, for you, and there will be no tests, and no one's given a grade. But... Um, the Hawkeye series is on Disney plus. If you have access to that, um, if you could watch any of the episodes, I mean, read them, watch them all. Fine. Great. They're, they're doing a good job with it. But episode three is an action oriented episode. And you can see dialogue that gets progressively more difficult because the uh, Hawkeye is hard of hearing at, at this stage of his uh, evolution and loses his hearing aid at one point. So in the first third, they can talk to each other and you see that relationship. And then there's action and he doesn't have his hearing aid, so they talk over each other and that tells a different tale. And there's this heartbreaking scene where um, still without his headphone or his hearing, his earpiece, um, hearing aid, he gets a call and it, it's his his wife or it's her phone. And he begins to talk look you know to Laura and Kate Bishop comes over and writes on a pad, little boy. He realizes Hawkeye realizes it's his youngest son that he can't hear. But it freaks out because why would a kid be calling, you know, in the morning? So now you have a three-way conversation. The kid is talking. Kate is translating, and then he's responding to the kid. That's on the surface. Great dynamic, great exercise to watch that. But also, the subtext is extremely well done. She's realizing from what the boy says and how he says it, which we can barely hear because we're hearing it. The scene is from Hawkeye's hard of hearing point of view. You can barely hear it. But when she hears it, she's hearing exactly how much of a sacrifice her hero, Clint Barton Hawkeye, is making at Christmas for her, a person he hardly knows. You can see it on her face. And then he has to let her in so he can hear what his son needs. He is a very guarded character. It is a brilliant scene to watch for dialogue done in a very fresh and different way. So I would give that as a pearl. Otherwise Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which is a big influence on the series, has great dialogue great character structure and one of the episodes, one of the issues is written from the dog's point of view. Talk about an exercise in seeing a scene differently. You can learn a lot from just that little area.
1: Person. How about you, sir? What would you er, get? Well, I would, I would simply say follow everything that this man has just said. <laughs> um, and, and I would just say quickly, and again, I'll do this from, uh, because of time, I'll do this from uh, uh, another bit of homework. Uh, rent, uh, borrow, or, or find a, a Bogarted copy on YouTube of 12 Angry Men, mm-hmm. uh, the film, right? Ma- the 1957 version with Henry Fonda right. and a bunch of mm-hmm. other well known character actors. It is a totally character driven film. If 99% of it takes place in one room between these 12 characters as we learn about them, their ups and downs, their highs and lows, their prejudices, all of these things come out while they're debating, if you will, or discussing, dialoguing, fighting over the right to either vote uh, death or life for a young man. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's personalities in there, there's dialects in there, there's there's European uh, uh uh origin versus uh blue collar American origin. There's all of these different positions, social positions. It's a great, great film to watch for character dynamics, character evolution, character art, and good dialogue. So that's what surface I surface
0: dialogue and subtext. Absolutely. Great. It's a master class in that. Excellent Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Excellent choice.
1: Okay, so again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this, Chris. By the way, folks, I said to me we are going to a little bonus. You. We're going to do a little bonus thing we're going to call a Quick Tips, uh, which will be little individual clips that we will be posting throughout uh, the month of December uh, with tips on dialogue and some of the other little uh, writing tips that we like to give. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I won't yes. tell you when the first one will drop, but it will be very, 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 very soon. Okay, uh-huh. Chris? Yeah. yeah, and did I say it was gonna be soon? Cause it's gonna be soon. I think it's gonna be soon. Chris, great, great, great episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Welcome. Okay, read, Take care. yeah. Watch, write, and rewrite. Love yeah. you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye Peace. bye.